0: Happy to have you here on a Tuesday afternoon. He's Adrian Bradas. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Together we come your way on 600 ESPN El Paso. I'm still trying to make, uh, I'm still trying to understand what the Kings did today. I mean, why do you trade Tyrese Halliburton, who's become uh, one of the better young point guards in the league right now? I mean, he's averaging 14 a game, seven and a half assists. Um, he's a building block, he's a piece. I feel like the Pacers stole him today. I mean, I know they traded Sabonis, but you get a 21-year-old point guard like this, the Knicks are got to be just killing themselves right now because the Knicks passed up on Halliburton to take Obi Toppin. You don't think they regret that right now with all their needs at points? So uh, this is definitely a shocker. And tell you what, a lot of head-scratchers in the NBA as we get ready for the trading deadline.
1: Yeah, Steve. I, I you know, um, when you talk about the Knicks and it involving this situation, I was hearing that Julius Randle was on the table for the Knicks to be traded to try to get Tyrese Halliburton. I don't know if I like that for either side at that point. I, I get it that there's been frustrations to say the least uh, for the Knicks this year around Julius Randle, who they paid this off season. Uh, but I, I still, my head is spinning after this trade that the Sacramento Kings, uh, you know, made today. And I, I get yes. it that they, they. Want to go after the play-in tournament, Steve? But what are you really trying to play for? A, a participation cho- trophy if they make it there, Steve. This team has not been to the playoffs in fifteen
0: years. I know. I don't get it. I just don't understand it. I don't know what the Kings are doing. I'm just, you know. Plus, I mean, you acquire a guy. I mean, and, and listen, I like Monte Sabonis, but they're but they've got a they already have a front court in Sacramento. So what are you doing? I mean, why are you adding somebody to a spot you're already deep in and instead you unlock, unless this is the precursor of other trades, I don't know, I just, I don't get it. I absolutely don't understand what the Kings are doing. And if you're the Pacers, what a great trade for them. I mean, they just landed a potential building block today in that trade. So, you know, I mean, look, deadline is around the corner and who knows what else is going to happen. But I just, I hate this trade for the Kings. I love this trade for the Pacers.
1: Simple as that. With this one, I also look at the younger guys on this team, Malcolm Brogdon, they've got Chris Duarte. Those are nice pieces with Indiana, and I thought Indiana was going through a fire sale uh, as part of what we saw earlier this weekend where they traded away Karis Levert for pretty much nothing. I mean, they're getting Ricky Rubio on an expiring deal, which they're not going to re-sign him next year. They're going to use that money into free agency next year and try to reshape their whole roster under their new coach in Rick Carlisle, who now gets to use Tyrese Halliburton, a rising star, in this league I simply don't understand this for for so many reasons Steve now if you're the Sacramento Kings you're tied down to a horrible contract with De'Aaron Fox two years from now Sabonis could end up leaving in free agency so I'm still scratching my head with this one with Sacramento they have I have no clue what they're doing
0: now nobody does and again I wasn't planning on leading the show with a trade between Indianapolis and Sacramento But this could be one of those deals you look back on years from now and you just scratch your head and go, man, I can't believe they did that. And that could be the case. And for those of you that don't follow the NBA, and again, I mean, you might follow the NBA, you just don't follow the Pacers and the Kings. I mean, those are not two household teams right now. You know, the, the Pacers are a team that really hasn't been super relevant since the days of Reggie Miller when they were, you know, uh, one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference and they had those legendary series against the Knicks. The, the Kings, as you heard from Adrian, they have been relevant in forever. So, and, and by the way, they're not going to be with, with more deals like this. It's just the way, you know, you're, you're talking about the, the NBA and how things are going right now. But ultimately, you do wonder who else could be dealt Keep an eye on Woj. Maybe we'll get some Woj bombs today from him as we get closer and closer to the uh, deadline. And I'm kind of hoping that's the case because I'm keeping an eye on uh, Woj. And, you know, uh, again, you look at what's going on with uh, Bradley Beal. Uh, there's another disaster. If you're Washington, how about this? Season-ending surgery on his left wrist, and he is eligible for to sign a five-year, $245 million contract with the Wizards this summer.
1: Very very tough situation for Washington to be in right now because I've been I've been uh, clear on this. I think Bradley Beal is a fine player. He's All Star caliber type of player. He's uh, probably a second or third banana on a good team. You know, he's probably that second best player on a title team, third best player in some situations. He struggled this year, so now Washington is in a very very tough position where they have to think: A, do we trade him right now, where his value could be high, although you have this injury uh, uh looming over him. Do you wait till the summer and sign and trade him and and kind of move on from ba- Bradley Beal and see what kind of value you get from him in the offseason or do you keep him? Do you do you retain him on that max value and see what you can get out of Bradley Beal? Fascinating
0: questions, right? Fascinating questions. Maybe we'll find out what's going to happen here uh down the road because again, uh, deadline is coming up soon and uh, we will see how this uh, exactly goes down. And again, as a Knicks fan, this one hurts because would have loved to have seen the Knicks try to make a good run, um, and and get themselves ultimately a Halliburton. Didn't happen though. We all know the Knicks; they, they still need uh, they they need point guards. They do. I mean, and then this is no this is no knock on Kemba Walker or uh, what they just did with Cam Reddish, but I don't think either of those guys have really long term futures in New York. They they played Reddish. 15 minutes yesterday because Kemba wasn't even in the lineup. I think he scored four points. So he is not in that rotation right now for Tibbs and has shown nothing since the Knicks gave up a number 1 for him. Yeah, with
1: Cam Reddish, I don't know if you're thinking maybe you can flip him. I don't know if you're trying to use him to acquire somebody else like maybe Zion down the line. I don't know what the mission is here for New York, but I do know that today we saw also C.J. McCollum moved to New Orleans, which I wonder, does Portland have a fire sale going on? And could Dame be a trade candidate for the Knicks? Or could uh, the, the Knicks go off and, and look at Ben Simmons, even though he hasn't played all year long? It seems like Ben Simmons, his trade value has actually gone up this year because yeah, and at least he can handle the point. At least he can handle the ball. You just have to shoot, uh, surround him by shooters.
0: Not one hundred percent what's going to happen there. Uh, meanwhile, what's going to happen with James Harden? What's going to what are the uh, what are the Nets going to do there?
1: Everybody is saying, no, we're not trading him. No, that's all the signs right now from Brooklyn. But, Stevie's not playing tonight. I look at he, the fact that he didn't play almost all of last week. It seems like they're saving him for something. And and do you wait until the offseason where James Harden holds all the power in his side? Does He can go to wherever he wants yep. in the offseason. Or do you get the max value from him knowing that he's going to loo- leave and get Ben Simmons right now if you're Brooklyn?
0: We'll talk more. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Holy shit smokes that was terrible um we will talk more nba on the show later today where's my i'm looking for my waters my waters are gone i have to go grab one from the fridge all right that's fine um anyway last night i watched the utep north texas game and then i switched over and i watched the texas kansas game now understand this huge win for texas um and they, you know, were able to get it, get the best of Kansas yesterday. That was big. Bill Self, hey, still one of the all-time greats. But yesterday, Chris Beard got the better of him. Atmosphere was good at the Frank Irwin Center. Texas looked like a tournament team yesterday. They did. They played well at home. Although it was a good game right down to the wire. Prior to that, you know, the miners had a huge lead early. Then they lost it going into the break, tie score, and in the final 20 minutes, North Texas was the better of the two teams. Simple as that. And, you know, the minor win streak came to an end last night, which, you know, was bound to happen sooner or later. North Texas could very well be CUSA's automatic into the tournament this year. I, I... I, I feel like that has a real shot of happening. I, I, who else? UAB? I mean, those are probably the two best teams. They're both in the West. They're both right now with UTEP in that side of the league. So I don't think Western Kentucky is getting there, though. Only time will tell if maybe I'm wrong there. But you look at what happened in yesterday's game, and you realize that, number one, um, you know, Jamal Biennemi still scored 17 points. He was on fire early, but the six turnovers really hurt. They're, you know, this team does not turn the ball over 19 times in a game. They moaned, they usually don't even turn the ball over nine times in a game. They've done a terrific job of protecting the basketball all season long. Not last night. Not at all. Matter of fact, when you have a, a an assist-to-turnover ratio of 6 to 19, that is pretty much an indication of how your game's going to go. Oh, and by the way, the Miners went to the free-throw line a total of six times last night. Six times, which means, A, they didn't attack the basket and draw fouls, and, B, they really did not have much of a low post game. Titus had eight on four of six shooting. He was efficient. But other than a monster dunk by Onyema, um, you know, this was mostly guards all uh, all game long. Boom and B enemy, 37 of their 58 points. And uh, Adrian, I think last night was a great example of, of how much UTEP really misses Keontae Kennedy in big games like this.
1: With North Texas last night, you got to give a lot of credit to that team because I, I really like their weapons. That's a team that's established. I think UTEP, yeah. bigger picture, UTEP is trying to get to that point. And it, maybe they're almost there with uh, Keontae Kennedy, or maybe they're close, but I think that's what we found out last night, that UTEP is not far away from being among the best in Conference USA, which is crazy to think. This is year one of Joe Golding, and they went toe-to-toe with the best team in Conference USA in the first half. Second half, completely lost. The lead, uh, and, and you know the 19 turnovers is the reason why they lost this game. 21 points on those 19 turnovers
0: for North Texas. They need ball players. They need they need they need guys that can score and guys that can make big plays. What they need now. Understand this again. This season, you know the majority of of the weapons that Joe Golding has are, are Rodney's guys, and he's getting the most out of them. I'll tell you that. We know that. He's definitely. Um, He's coaching up Bienni. Bienni's playing the best ball of his career, despite the turnovers yesterday. Sule wasn't bad at times, but he's your streak shooter. When he hit those threes on on two different back to back occasions, it kind of got the miners back within seven again, and they just couldn't uh, get into it and, and couldn't really chip away at that lead. But um, you know, ever since I wrote that article about Jarrell Satterfield, you know, what what's happened is it's really simple. Teams are taking him out of the offense because they're guarding him now. And UTEP really hasn't designed any plays to get him to come off of ball screens and get open looks where he could start taking those outside shots like he's so dangerous. So, when now that teams are playing Satterfield the way they are, others have to step up. And, you know, we've seen... Verhoeven, these last couple of games, step up. At times, I thought Alfred Hollins has played well over the last few games in this stretch. But, I mean, Satterfield is a catch-and-shoot guy, Adrian. And when you don't give him room to shoot, you've, you've essentially taken away UTEP's best shooter. And teams, the book is out on Jarrell Satterfield right now. The only question is, can UTEP figure out how to free him up and get him a couple of good open looks because that is such a difference maker, especially in big games like last night would have been.
1: Yeah, there's no question about it that the best-case scenario of who Jarrell Satterfield is as a player is where we saw him at his peak this year, where he's coming in, he's scoring 16 points, he's hitting everything from beyond the arc, and he's just lighting it up. I mean, as a sharpshooter on this team, that's what he is. He's a sharpshooter. And I wonder, as this season goes along and as they get more players in their backcourt, Is his best fit maybe off the bench? Is he a sharpshooter who can come in and score you nine points off the bench and really help out the minors where you specifically run plays for him? And when you really make him involved in the offense, whether it be on ball or off ball, he's primarily off-ball, right, and uh, I, I also put the onus on Christian Agnew, because yep. when Jarrell Satterfield isn't hitting the shots, when they aren't finding him in open looks, I want Saucy to be out there uh, for the minors scoring points, and he, he hasn't been doing that at all, Steve. In fact, he's been turning the ball over way more than anything else. He had three turnovers yesterday in UTEP's loss, and you know, I don't want to har- uh, harp too much on Christian Agnew, but I think he's a way better player than what we've seen these past couple weeks.
0: Well, 3 fouls and three turnovers in nine minutes. minutes. Minutes is a concern. All right, that that is a big, big concern. You come off the bench, play nine minutes, should not be turning the ball over three times. Alfred Hollins had three turnovers. I'm sorry, uh, yeah, three turnovers in 22 minutes. Um, And then you know, other than and Boom had three turnovers in 39 minutes. So yeah, that's again an issue. We can talk more about it though on the show today. I'd like listen. The team is still right now at seven and four in the league. 14-9 Fourteen and nine overall, they're exceeding expectations. I'll be honest with you, I didn't think this was even going to be a five hundred team the way things started off. So they've exceeded expectations. The only question is, can they take this blip on the radar from last night and bounce back Sunday and have a big game against Marshall?
1: I think it's a great question because I, I also want I also want to pose the question that Sal asked yesterday and. He was mentioning if you, UTEP could be realistically looking at a twenty-game win season if they're able to win a game in the conference tournament, which is huge, Steve. I mean, if you're able to get to that point, a twenty-win season in year one of Joe
0: Golding—that's a well-over achievement, right there. By far, they haven't had Keontae Kennedy for two months, and they're that's and right. they just and they had a six-game win streak without him. There's no doubt about it. So this team is—I think this team is playing above what we all expected. I don't think anybody really thought you lose Bryce and Williams are going to go to the NCAA tournament not with what they've got but I mean the only question is you know can the Miners cuz they 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 played North Texas tough let's not sugarcoat this they played 30 really good minutes of basketball where they were right in there it was a close ball game and they did what they had to do they guarded they they battled they made it ugly and they had a lead. They just couldn't hold it, Adrian. It's, it's tough to beat a team on the road like that when they've got so many good vets that can beat you.
1: Yeah, and it was a, a bit of a hostile environment. I mean, Joe Golding talked about it after the game, saying the attendance got to some of his players and stuff like that, and just the way that the crowd was pretty rowdy last night for North Texas. Right. Mean Green have a lot to be excited about. They've won nine in a row now on their side. They're the top team in Conference USA, so I expect when North Texas comes back to UTEP that the Haskins Center will be full, and that will be a hostile environment for the Mean Green.
0: we got a good show lined up for you today joe Lenardi is going to join us to talk a little college hoops mr bracketology himself so looking forward to that conversation but right now let's get it going 18 past charlie's back he's got our first traffic update of the afternoon charlie how are we looking on the streets and highways of el paso right now 23 past the hour as we continue here on sports talk a little vintage tom petty courtesy of adrian brought Taking care of the music on this show. eight eight zero five that is our telephone number. Get right on in and through to the program. Still to come today, UTEP softball head coach TJ Hubbard. He's going to be dropping by the Lubingo Studios at 6 o'clock tonight. Looking forward to having TJ on the show. And then two members of his team will be with us at the bottom of the 6 o'clock hour. We'll welcome in Zaley Calderon and Lexi Morales to the program. And that's, again, going to be happening here at uh, the bottom of our 6 o'clock hour. I believe, um, if I'm not mistaken, Zaley's is from uh, Tucson, Lexi from El Paso. hope I don't have that backwards. We'll find out when they come by the studio. But that's going to be a lot of fun. So that's our 6 o'clock hour. So it's all UTEP softball from 6 to 7 today. Give you a little preview of what's to come for the Miners and T.J. Hubbard. Meanwhile, uh, an hour from now we'll talk to um our pal Joey Brackets. That's right, Mr. Bracketology himself, Joe Lenardi. He'll be joining us. Great coming up nickname.
1: On the show. Is that is that a real nickname for Joe? Oh, yeah. That's know, great. Joey Brackets?
0: Yeah, I love it. Yeah, he's uh he's, well listen. Uh, how can I put this? I go back so many years with Lenardi that I think when I first had him on he was still working at uh, Blue Ribbon College basketball yearbook been a long time man Day long one. time
1: you're a day one guy with joe Lenardi.
0: i remember when Lenardi came here with saint i think it was with saint joe's basketball back in the day
1: wow that's a major throwback
0: oh yeah he big was time. like working on the team oh yeah like he no was way. like their radio guy or something like that. Lenardi used to do this as a side job bracketology was not a full-time gig for him until years later so wow, it's pretty wild. That.
1: Yeah, most definitely.
0: Now he's like, the mo- whenever you're talking college hoops in the tournament, he's your guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's other prognosticators out there. No one does it like Lenardi. He's the number one guy to do this. You
0: got Ken Palm. You got others. But you're right. Joy Brackets is pretty good. He yeah. really is.
1: When it comes to building that bracket, for sure. I mean, you can look at all the advanced analytics sites out there. No one's going to do it like Lenardi.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Eight eight zero five is our telephone number as we continue here on Sports Talk. So, let's get back to UTEP for a second. UTEP basketball, okay? I think it goes without saying that, yeah, they're exceeding my expectations. I didn't have a ton of expectations this year when, when Bryson left. I really didn't. I just wanted to see them be competitive and win more games than they would lose. And so far, they've done that. Thanks to this little uh, win streak they put together, the six in a row. And, you know, they, they played North Texas tough. There's no doubt about that. Went until the last couple of minutes in which the miners just uh, didn't have enough uh, you know in the tank to try to pull that one out Adrian it's just tough because like last night I mean really boom and B enemy accounted for more than 50 percent of the points and if you look at North Texas last night they had four guys they're four of their five starters 17 18 13 10 then they had they only played seven guys last night. And um, and they ran their starters back 30-plus minutes a game. And, um, and, and again, the bulk of their points were from four guys. So, you know, you wish we could get to that spot where you could start to see UTEP have balanced scoring and, and four guys consistently give you that, you know, 12 to, to 18, 19 a game. That would be phenomenal.
1: Most definitely, and with North Texas last night, I thought they probably watched that Louisiana Tech game against the Miners, and they replicated exactly what the Bulldogs get, did against UTEP. That was simple ball screens uh, at the top of at the top of the perimeter. They'd run these ball screens. If it didn't work, they would reset and do it again until UTEP got confused on the ball screen, and they would uh, you know loosen up inside the paint. They allowed UTEP allowed 38 points in the paint for the Mean Green, and they they really feasted down low. It was Thomas Bell down low. Uh, Usman was yep. really cool. good down low and it wasn't even the rebounding last night Steve like UTEP actually won in the rebounding margin it was the turnovers mixed with the fact that UTEP couldn't guard a ball screen inside the paint
0: I like Ruben Jones too he does a really nice job at the point
1: yeah he's a nice he's a a sophomore he has some nice finesse to his game
0: he does he does no turnovers in 36 minutes I mean they only had nine they had nine turnovers in the game and of the guys that turned it over I think I saw that there were two team turnovers and then the other seven went to two guys. Bell had four and Perry came off the bench for three. So can you imagine that of your starters, four of your five guys – played 30-plus minutes a game and had no turnovers each, Yeah, that's pretty good.
1: It is. It's a solid game by them. Meanwhile, on defense, they total uh, 12 steals along with Reuben Jones, like you mentioned, with four. So you you really see what uh, North Texas is able to do. This is a veteran group. I mean, this is a group that was in the tournament last year, should have been in the tournament in 2020 had the pandemic not happened. They had a loaded team that year as well. So you're talking about Grant McCaslin possibly
0: going for three NCAA tournaments in three years. It's amazing. I mean, that's and, and you know, since they're heading to the American Athletic Conference, his days are numbered anyway because I'm sure he'll land a big job from this.
1: Yeah, and I was very fascinated what John Teicher was able to gather yesterday courtside saying – McCaslin likes Texas. He likes the South. He would prefer to stay there if he got uh, offered a job at a bigger level. And I think there will be those openings uh, down the line here, whether it be the Big Twelve and and some Texas teams that he can go after, or if it's the SEC and and he goes and stays in the South or something along those lines. I think there'll be opportunities for McCaslin, who should have already been hired as a Power Five coach by now.
0: Well, first off, you start to think about you know big schools that have Texas ties where he could go, and that's tough. I mean. TCU is 15-5 and right now. Texas is not going anywhere with Beard. You got Baylor. That's about the best job in basketball. And Texas Tech right now with with Mark Adams. So uh, I'm not exactly sure where he ends up when it's all said and done. I mean – that's that's gonna be another really interesting question out there for you, Adrian. Because you know, you look at the uh, you look at the jobs. It might not be Texas related. He might have to look at you know another spot, and maybe uh, and, and again, I, I would have to check contracts and see who's available. And I mean, maybe uh, Porter Mosier's time could be limited in in uh, Norman the way Oklahoma's been struggling this year.
1: That's a good one right there, and I, I think that's a that's one that we can all look at. I think there's some interesting. One, I mean, there, it always happens at the end of the season where it, it's a it's as a result of a team plummeting. It's as a result of a coach moving on. That's another thing that you can't also disregard is maybe some of these coaches who already have secured jobs could end up moving on, and maybe that opens up a spot for McCaslin. So it, there could be opportunities as, as the off season looms. I
0: think the problem with Mosier is he just took the job a, a year ago. And okay. You gotta, and you got to give these guys some time to struggle, right? You just got. You, you can't just say suddenly that, um, you know, you're, you're you're out after just getting started. So
1: yeah, I think it's it's helpful to look at things like hot seats. You know, who are who's on the hot seat right now, and kind of look at those names. Maybe that's the best ones where we could prognosticate and uh, speculate on for the 2022 season once it's over.
0: Right on eight eight zero five seven six three our telephone number as we continue here on Sports Talk. I'll say this. A&M hasn't been the same since Billy left. I mean, really, you look at that program, and I always, always like to play the what-if game. What if Billy stayed and didn't go to Kentucky? I mean, it'd be such a different situation with them. It really would. So, um, you know, A&M, it's a football school. I get that. But, you know, they're they're 15-8, and eight, but they're 7th in the SEC. They just can't win in the SEC. And the SEC is one of the better conferences. They're probably going to send 7 to the tournament but Texas A&M will have a hard time being one of them.
1: Yeah, Buzz Williams right there. He did a great job in Marquette, did a great job with Virginia Tech and hasn't got off to the best start with the Aggies so far. 16 and 14 his first season. Uh then he went 8 and 10 and now 15 and 8 to start off this year. Yep. Yeah, it's not the greatest at all.
0: No, and, I, and that could be a that could be a possibility out there. Who knows? I mean, maybe A&M decides they're going to move on from Buzz and, and and not do that. But again, regardless of what happens, uh North Texas still right now in my mind the team to beat in uh, Conference USA. So, all right, bottom of the hour, we'll come back with more in a moment, uh, including our awards from last night's game. But first, let's go to Adrian and get this Sports Center update. Adrian, thank you very much. Well, we have some um, tweets coming in right now. Want to get to some of these as well. Uh, Adrian at Enemy Win the number three tweets to show I have been critical of Coach Golding, but even I must admit he has done a great coaching job this year. Definitely has exceeded expectations. That comes from Adrian. Chris Banks, 21, tweets the show. Despite UTEP's turnovers, it was the same old story of CUSA refs not calling anything for UTEP.
1: A lot of disappointment from UTEP players with no calls yesterday. You saw Sule Boom get visibly upset oh. in that in that in one stretch. Uh, I don't know, Steve. I'm never the guy who really goes up against the refs because I feel like that's excuses you can use in every game. But I will say, eh, I mean, the past couple of games have just been bad with COSA refs.
0: There was a play yesterday where it looked like UTEP just mauled a guy and and. Uh... And it led to a, a wide-open breakaway dunk for Verhoeven. And I thought McCaslin was going to come out of his chair. Apparently, it was like all, like mid-court arguing because he couldn't believe that nothing happened. I was like, wow, UTEP finally got one. I mean, one. But that was that was more than I expected. Yeah, even
1: uh, when Verhoeven stole the ball and dunked it on the other end, he looked over his shoulder yeah. as if he was going to get called
0: for that foul. Absolutely. I mean, that was it's probably the one call UTEP got last night that I just said to myself, huh. That's kind of it. I was I was hoping they were able to beat the buzzer at at halftime but unfortunately um, Onyema missed it probably by about a fraction of a second to get that one in, two.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And I, also, there's one other instance, Sule Boom breaking away for a transition layup, gets uh, fouled hard, looks at the, the ref like, what happened? And then fouls the other guy on the other end on kind of a ticky-tack foul. So, he was really upset after that one.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. So, you know, the hardest part is last night, if you really look closely at the minors, they played nine guys, okay? Although, you know, Clardy, Onyema, and Agnew had less than 10 minutes each, so... So really, if you think about it, six guys with what twenty or more minutes? Simply had eighteen, so I'll call that twenty. And Onya and uh, Holland's had twenty-two. So if you average twenty-two and eighteen, you get forty divided by two is twenty. So let's just let's just call it what it is: eight, uh, six guys with eighteen plus minutes. But of those six, you had um, three with thirty or more. 31 for Verhoeven, 40 for Biennemi, 39 for Boom. Satterfield played 26 minutes and only took one shot. And again, that that's tough because you think about what Satterfield did last night. I know he played defense, but one rebound, no assists, one foul, one shot in 26 minutes. It's disappearing. Yes. And it's been, it's been, ever since I wrote that stupid article. I wrote, well, that, I wrote that article about he's got a chance to break the record for most three-pointers in a season, and since that article, whammo. It's almost like teams saw it, they got the book on him, they figured out how to shut him down, and so far we have not seen much of anything. I think I saw the stat yesterday from some guy Chris on Twitter that he's like one of eight over his last like five games. That's really rough. I mean, one field goal for Jarrell Satterfield. How about eight attempts over five games? That means he's not shooting the ball because teams are the teams have taken him out of his catch and shoot, and UTEP has not been able to open up any areas for him to get off to get some shots off.
1: Yeah, people asked last night on minor talk, can he drive to the rim? Can he be somebody who's more of a facilitator? Can he be somebody who maybe brings down the ball? And no, the answer is no to all those those things right there because we haven't seen it. We haven't seen him involved in that kind of style of the offense. He's well, only a catch and shoot shooter.
0: Teams aren't zoning him anymore. Have you noticed that? Yes. If you if you don't zone UTEP then they then they're not able to just shoot fr- you know, at will like they like they usually are, and it also means that if you don't zone them. It's much more difficult for uh, for Satterfield to get off his his three point shots.
1: Yeah, it was cross court passes from guys like Bienemy hitting Satterfield when they'd find the open man in a zone format, and that's how they got him the wide open shot. Now you're not seeing any ball screens for him or or any kind of movement for Satterfield. You know, you kind of see him standing in corners or atop the perimeter, and that's where his bread and butter is. But if he's a volume shooter, if he's or if he's somebody who gets hot in momentum and rhythm, well, you got to get more than just one attempt a game.
0: agree with you. By the way, UTEP gets North Texas 1 o'clock on March the 5th at the Haskins Center. I'm excited about that game. I mean, that's that's the best home game left on the schedule, and it's not even close. I mean, look what they have. They've got Rice uh, two days earlier, I think on Thursday. Then they've got UAB. By the way, UAB is going to be another great game. So, I mean, UAB and North Texas still left on the schedule? That is terrific
1: yes it is and they get them both at the Haskins Center i mean utep when you're looking at the schedule they should win two of their next three games for sure against marshall and maybe southern miss on the road next week uh before you know sandwich in between is a tough louisiana tech game but that final four game stretch is going to be so interesting for the miners middle tennessee on the road at home against uab at home against rice and at home against north texas before the conference tournament
0: oh it's phenomenal i mean that's exactly you've got 3 in a row to end the season at home, and two of those three are North Texas and UAB. That's that's great stuff. I mean, and by the way, hats off to UTEP for putting together a 4-for-30 ticket package. All right? This also just came down. I heard about this yesterday, and it's great. Super Bowl Sunday special family four-pack for UTEP and Marshall. Four tickets, 30 bucks. And it's the navy, green, and copper sections. So that's uh, three areas. You can sit for 30 bucks for four tickets. Now, anybody who has complained that it's too expensive to take a family, here's your answer. Okay? Here is your answer. And by the way, I know it's Super Bowl Sunday, so how about this? You go watch the game at 1, you get home at 3, and then you relax, and an hour and a half later, the game is starting. So that's what you got to do. Have all the food ready to go. Have the uh, the chips, the dip, uh, the beers, whatever else you're going to serve on the grill. Have it ready. Have it you know ready to go. And then all of a sudden, go to the game. Go spend thirty bucks for a family of four, and uh, you know, and, and watch the miners play Marshall. Should be fun. And then after that, you get to go home and watch the Super Bowl. So good for you, Tap. Coming up with a seven dollar fifty cent ticket special for four fans. That's 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 a good deal. That's a very, very good deal by UTEP, and I'm happy they're doing it. They should should be doing this. So now at least you've eliminated the excuse it's too expensive to go watch the basketball team play. Now you can't say that anymore.
1: Steve, one of the big things, too, is, hey, it's a late Super Bowl start at 4.30. So, and you know those, do, those games don't start on time. It's like 4.45, maybe 4.50 when yep. we see the first actual play. So minor fans will have a perfect chance to go to the game and get home in time to prepare for the Super Bowl. Or, like you said, hey, they'll already be ready if they plan accordingly.
0: Uh, who, who do we have on the phone? Is it Martin or Martine? Martin? Martine. Let's go to Martine. He's joining us next on the program. Martine, how are you, my man? What's going on? Hey,
2: Steve. You're good brother, just uh, wanted to chime in on last night's performance, sure yeah, you know it was uh I was so hyped to see what uh you know the possibility of binders kind of taking UNT. but man it was just so disappointing that um we got all these bigs and got a new coach and new assistants, and they don't they can't find a way to, to work the bigs in you know you look at and yang I'm not sure yeah him hollins. Uh, and then Hoder, um, and Very Titus Oduh and Titus, when do they ever get in the in the paint to get to create some more points after they shut down um, the enemy? There's there's nothing there, man. And well, and then, and then on the, on the defensive side, you'll see Titus go double team the guy that's dribble driving to the to the paint, and he leaves, leaves his man wide open for an easy bounce pass, an easy layup. Yeah. And I was looking at their scoring; seventy two percent of all the points come from from all the from all the guards yep.
0: all the point guards 100% it's been and like it, that been like that all year martine and and it's and uh, and what? and here's the thing about verhoeven okay He was offensively challenged for the first, I don't know, how many games they play? They played 23. So I would say the first 16, 17 games, offensively challenged, and all of a sudden he's come alive the last four or five games and played really well. So it adds a totally different dimension. When you get Verhoeven going and you get him in double figures, now you can't stagger everything defensively on your guards like they've been.
2: So why aren't the coaches making these changes? Now we have got Shay Evans coming in. What are you going to do with this with a three-star three-star recruit if you don't even know how to use the guys the big guys in the paint now? Well, here's the thing. I, mean, just, I don't I, don't don't, because,
0: don't, be too I don't, fr- don't don't be too frustrated because I don't know how skilled the bigs are. Okay? That's the first thing to say. I, I listen, if these bigs could score consistently, they would. That's the best way to put it, okay? Um I like Onyema but I mean, the dunks are there. Uh, but he's learning the game. All right, he is learning the game on the fly this year, and you know that's he's he's a work in progress. Same thing goes for um, you know. I mean, Bonky's not even playing. And I, I would be surprised if he comes back next season because he's pretty much out of the rotation. They've got to find themselves a couple of bigs that can score and, and have some polish down low. That's, and it's hard. I mean, that's what they were trying to get. Joe Golding wanted to find that. That's, he, he, that was his number one priority, but they, they just couldn't get him. They lost out on all the bigs they were after, and they ended up signing Hollins as a grad transfer, and he's six. So he's an undersized forward. So really, you've got to find yourself a, a 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", kid or bigger that can, that can score. And I'm hoping they'll be able to find that uh, you know, this, you know, for next season.
2: Well, two, two points, chief. If that's the case, if you got, who are the assistant coaches that can coach up the bigs you do have, number one? And number two, the way the bigs are going to learn is how they're getting schooled night in and night out by the other guys' bigs. Good point. Yes, can, there's still no way around it. They've they got to
0: change it. And I think they will, Martine. I mean, I, I really think their number one priority right now, go get some bigs that can play. Skilled big men. Hunt, and, and you know what? We all see it. Because that would totally change the guard play if they had skilled bigs. And I completely agree with you on that. Completely agree. All right. Fours across the board. We'll come back with more. As Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso. Five right now as Sports Talk continues. Checking the tweets. Robert uh, tweeted the show, or a te- actually a messaged us on our uh, mobile app. Hey, guys, UTEP played North Texas last year with the same talent, lost by 30. Plus, they're missing Kennedy. Golding can coach. Give this coach a chance. They are playing hard. Nobody expected the Miners to be 7-4 and four and playing meaningful game. Hey, Robert, we're not ripping Ke- Golding. That's not the all idea. We're saying that this team is getting more out of them than we expected. They're very well coached. That's obvious. There's so much more well coached this year than the past few years. It's, it's, it's evident. The key now is, can they get enough talent to win the league? That's going to be the bigger question. Remember, not next year, but the following year, the Aggies come into the league. That's going, to be, that's going to take the rivalry that we've already seen forever and just add it up how many notches knowing UTEP and New Mexico State will be back for the first time since the 60s in the same league.
1: Yeah, most definitely, and uh, one of the big, uh, I, I guess, early signs of uh, improvement with this team is they're winning on the road, which you you've been uh, you've been real har- harping on this one in yep. a big way that UTEP's actually winning on the road this year versus uh, previous years where they hadn't gotten any wins. So that's that's one of, that's a
0: big step in the right direction. I think Golding's done a terrific job with his team, absolutely terrific, given the circumstances. So let's go to the phones. Richard is with us from the west side. What's up, Richard?
3: Hey, how you doing, Steve?
0: Good. What's happening? Everything's going alright.
3: I just want to clarify one thing. I called you last week about the goats. I meant to say the goats in each professional sports league. In yes. the NFL, not the goats of each franchise. But talking to again older coworker, he actually says Otto Graham's the goat. And looking it up, you know what? He made every championship in his ten years. He played in ten championship games. Won seven of them in ten years. Yeah, I mean, with only a ten 10- years.
0: Otto Graham was amazing. Now the league was different, a much smaller league than it is now, obviously. But Otto Graham is truly one of the greats uh, to ever play the game and you could put Otto Graham on that list. I mean, the the only downside against Otto Graham again is just that the league is was um, you know, not nearly uh, as large as it is today.
3: I agree with you, but also remember these guys had regular jobs in the offseason as sure. opposed to weightlifting, training, nutrition. And the rules were slightly different. So we can go tech for tech, but I did not even realize that he made every championship game in 10 years. He seven. Yeah, that's incredible. So when we have these GOAT co- conversations, I'm just saying we, we need to, you know, yes, we have Bradshaw, Montana, but when you, you can't just bypass a guy like Otto Graham is what I'm saying.
0: I'm with you, Richard. Thanks, R- thanks rem- hey, Ruth Richard, golf. remember this. Babe Ruth yeah. is my GOAT for baseball, and he played uh, 100 years ago.
3: No, I agree. I agree. I mean, Different times. And again, these guys didn't have the weightlifting, the strength conditioning, the exactly.
0: meal, you know. Exactly. That's see. Thanks, man. Pre- Pre- appreciate all it. All right. Thanks, Richard. It's good stuff. Javi brings up Otto Graham. See, that's what happens when you work with older people, they throw names at you that you wouldn't be familiar with. Otto Graham was a legend.
1: Yeah, guys that you're having to Google or, or look up on Wikipedia like me if you haven't uh, remembered Autogram. And, uh, yeah, when you're looking at it, it's a very, a very very good career that he had in the 40s and into the 50s. And he played a lot of college football, too. Yeah, this guy had a decorated career. He didn't even use a face mask.
0: In those days, they had a helmet. They didn't have no face mask.
1: Yeah, all these images of him were are hilarious. Those leather helmets. Phenomenal.
0: Yep. He, is, he is a legend. Autogram is a true legend of the sport, no doubt. All right, we're coming back. Hour two is next. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Start of hour number two here on Sports Talk as we welcome you back to the program. Don't forget, UTEP softball will be our focus in hour three. We've got uh, Joe Lenardi from Bracketology and ESPN coming on with us in about 20 minutes from now. Do you know tomorrow's National Pizza Day? I didn't even realize this until I was reading uh, Daniel's uh, story up on KLAQ.com.
1: No way. I didn't know this. Uh, I know that there are some great local places that do like National Pizza Day specials. Really? So that's something to kind of keep an eye out for. So, yeah, I, I got to do some digging now.
0: I did not know that. That's interesting. Really? Huh. All right. I'm excited about that. That's pretty good. Um, does that mean that for us we do need to eat pizza tomorrow because it's National Pizza Day?
1: Yes. Yes, we do. We we need to definitely get out of the office, eat some pizza, do something fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this.
0: What's your, uh, what's your pizza of choice? Because, I mean, listen, you've got Chicago deep dish. You've got uh, New York style. You've got uh, traditional crust. You've got, there's so many different ways to prepare a pizza. There's Detroit style, which is another deep dish version of uh, kind of Chicago with a twist on it. So... What's your uh, what's your go-to?
1: I like Chicago deep dish, although I would say that we don't get enough here in El Paso. We we just don't. I would say that's probably uh, probably my favorite. Uh, beyond that one, I mean, you can go a- anywhere. I mean, I'm not a picky guy when it comes to pizza.
0: I know. So you, you just like pizza no matter what it is?
1: Yes. I, unless it's, you know, I'm not a big fan of artisan or like thin crust. I, I'll be honest with you. I could do everything else.
0: Oh, I
1: goodness. could do cauliflower even. I, I'm just not a fan of thin. Really? Yeah.
0: Done, what about uh, you? I love thin Um You kidding? New York style pizza—that's my—that's my bread and butter. That is—that is where it's at for me. So, you give me a nice slice of pizza that I can fold in half and eat with some uh, olive oil dripping down out of there on my chin while I'm getting that thing. Yeah, that is—that's the way to go right there. That is—that's—that's my—that's my ultimate pizza.
1: Yeah, oh man, that—that's that, making me hungry right now, Steve. Well, um, I could do New
0: York any day. All right. I mean see the the hardest part is when you make the really really super thin crust it almost tastes more like a sometimes you you like there's no crust to it it almost seems like when you take it and you try to hold on to it it's going to fall apart in your hands you don't want it to be too thin you don't but you just like a good new york uh, new, slice of new york cheese pizza oh my goodness it's it's so delicious
1: uh, you can't go wrong with that. Uh, there's some great places here that make some good stuff. So yeah, I feel like there's a lot of places you could celebrate National Pizza Day here in El Paso.
0: Absolutely. So that's tomorrow. We might have to figure out how we're going to celebrate it. So that might have to be uh, on our on our agenda of uh, of things to do tomorrow see what we can come up with. We have a busy day though at the office. It's going to be a tough one. A lot of stuff going on here. 880-5763 that's our telephone number. Let's give out some awards from last night. We've got our hot hand of the game and our player of the game from uh, the UTEP loss to uh, North Texas. Now there are, this was not easy by the way. Um, Last night on Minor Talk, Adrian and Sal gave out their awards. We do that after every game. Minor Talk presented by the Oscar All State Agency. If you've never listened to Minor Talk, oh my, it's, you know I was when we first picked up UTEP sports. We were not planning on bringing minor talk back. This was there was no intention whatsoever. In fact, John Teicher had no interest in doing it. I had no interest in doing it, and the reason is we've done it for years. We uh, John did it for years. I did it forever. I've listened to UTEP fans bitch and moan at me for forever, and 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 you know, and and Adrian was like, "I want to do it. I want minor talk." Said, well, you got it. That's great. So. Hey, we've been doing that now. This is what our—is our third or fourth third year? Third year, yeah. Third year, bringing minor talk back.
1: Yeah, exactly right. And that is huge. It really is. I, I mean I am surprised that uh that it's already year three right now. I'm surprised that people still listen because I I every I'm not. even after last night I was thinking, ah, everybody probably checked out after North Texas. And then people can t- uh, like you know, tweeted us throughout the whole night. So we had a really lively show last night.
0: You guys night. have a great show. You have a great show and you extend here's what you also do you extend the broadcast for UTEP fans. So if UTEP fans are, are vested in the games, which they are, you give them immediate reaction. That's huge. Whether it's phone, app, um, Twitter, it doesn't matter what some people some people might know your cell phone they'll text you directly I mean you've got there's so many ways that people can connect with you guys and I think a lot of minor fans look to do that and it's fun I mean I I love minor talk especially since I don't have to do it I mean that is really for me it's great and I like to listen after games I'm not gonna lie to you I don't always tell you every game I'm tuning in but I like to tune in from time to time and hear what you guys are saying after the games it's a lot of fun
1: Oh, I appreciate that, and yeah, it's a lot of fun for us to do. You know, the thing that makes this the most fun and, and maybe the most enjoyable is when everybody participates, everybody's involved, we've got regulars. I get stopped all the time saying, you know, who's that guy Ronnie? I mean, he really mm. knows his basketball. Who's that guy Hunter? He's a, a great caller. So, I mean, it, it's even our, our callers have taken a life
0: on Minor Talk, which I really love. Good. It's the way it should be. So last night was not easy. You had a couple of ways you could go for the hot hand in the player of the game. So why don't we start first – With uh, our hot hand of the game, which uh, brought to you after every game by Wind Supply El Paso. And again, uh, I'm interested to find the direction you guys went. Who'd you give the hot hand of the game to last night?
1: We gave it to Jamal Bienni. Fifteen of his seventeen points in the first half, uh, and and that we felt like that was warranted. He was on fire in the first half and was a large part of why UTEP hung in there and was and they were tied 27 all going into the break. Give it a lot of credit to Jamal Bienemi, who's been on a great tear lately. He just couldn't do it in the second half. That was the biggest thing with JB and, and six turnovers as well. They built a 14 point lead out of the. Game. Yeah, and a lot of it was due to him. He had 11 points early
0: on for this group. (sighs) Absolutely right. All right, a lot of you out there might be thinking about uh, upgrading to either refrigerated air, maybe putting in a new master cool system. Listen, here's what you need to do, folks. I'm going to give you the best advice that that there is because wind supply of El Paso – they uh, supply champion heating and cooling products. So if you need a new furnace, they've got champion uh, heaters. If you need a new refrigerated system, there's so many different varieties now. They all have different sizes, sears, everything you could possibly imagine to make it as energy efficient as possible. So here's what you do. You go to windsupplyalpasso.com. You click the find a dealer tab. It lists all of their preferred vendors by location. That is what it's all about. So All you need to do is go to the website. There are um, plenty to choose from. And then you can pick the one that is most right for you and your home or office. So check it out. com. Find a dealer tab. Let's do our uh, player of the game last night. Who'd you give that to?
1: Yeah, it was a tough one because you could go Jamal Biennemi in this one, but we we had to knock him for those six turnovers in this game. Although you know, two assists to six turnovers, it's just not a, the best night for JB. Uh, so we gave it to Sule. Boom, twenty points, eight of sixteen from the floor. He hit two three pointers for this group, uh, but he filled the stat sheet beyond that, which is something that Sule has done nice a nice job of lately. Four rebounds, three assists, three steals, and thirty nine minutes of action.
0: I'll say this, when you can get 50% shooting or better from Sule Boom, that is a very, very good game for him.
1: Yeah, more than 15 attempts. So 50% shooting and more than 15 attempts, I'd I'd
0: consider that a good game for Sule Boom for sure. Oh, my God, I would too. That is terrific. So excellent, excellent. By the way, folks, uh, so many of you use regular parts each and every day, and you don't realize how many of those could be made from keats southwest especially when it comes to metal stamping they design they develop and they produce tens to hundreds of thousands to millions of pieces whether it's furniture parts latches covers brackets fuse clips inserts medical components heat sinks uh thrust washers sensor components and more if you want to learn about what keats southwest can do for you go online to SW. There you go. Our player of the game and our hot hand of the game from last night. And I'll tell you, I'm with you on this. I think you and I are in agreement in terms of these awards today. I'm I'm, I'm right with you on those.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's it was tough. Uh, if you want to argue the hot hand with somebody like Verhoeven or, or something like that, I understand. But, hey, 15 of your 17 points in the first half, yeah, that's red hot for JB. And, hey, Steve, you know, I just want to address something else that happened on Minor Talk yesterday. People were wondering, well, what's going on with Keontae Kennedy? We actually had a tweet sent to us by Leo who uh, he, he found that Keontae Kennedy replied to a fan saying that he'll be back soon. That's what he was replying back to somebody. So uh, I'm curious to see as we look toward this week of practice and UTEP prepares for Marshall, will they get back Keontae Kennedy in their
0: backcourt? I was told, and again, it's just a rumor. We all know what rumors are. But the rumor is Keontae will get the boot off this week, resume workouts and practices. I don't know if he'll be ready to go by Sunday, but maybe he'll be on the bench. Maybe he'll be in uniform. Maybe he'll be able to go, you know, a few minutes and just get himself back into it. But if Keontae gets his boot off and is able to practice and can really contribute, it's a huge plus to UTEP right now. As they've got about a month left in the season,
1: yeah, just get him out there on the court, like taking shots. I mean, that's one of the things that I want to see because I've been at practice, uh, you know, the past couple weeks, and he wasn't even there. He wasn't even get, getting treatment or anything like that. So before this, this kind of period, he was at least getting treatment. So now you you just want him active at practice to begin with, and then you can start to look at a return to play format for Keontae Kennedy. Uh, I heard those same rumors, so maybe th- th- there's something to this, and maybe th- as we look to practice practice. practice this week, uh, they will get back Keontae Kennedy. I mean,
0: that'd be awesome. Be great for the team. They need him. They absolutely need him. I mean, Satterfield had a really good stretch. A really good stretch. And he was, during that stretch, their best outside shooter. Not even close. And, you know, the has been consistent all year. Satterfield has been quiet as teams have made adjustments to his game. But Keontae can shoot. He can slash attack the basket i mean that is a big that's a big uh, dimension that utep needs right now uh, in their backcourt there's no doubt about that
1: yeah somebody was averaging over 13 points leading the team in rebounds and was their best perimeter defender they need Keontae back
0: he was their second uh, scorer at that time of his injury He was their second leading scorer
1: that's right yeah and he was on a tear he was like putting up 30 point games
0: i know it let's go back to the phones adrian is next 14 pass sports talk continues adrian what's happening how you doing, Cap? Good, Adrian. What's up?
4: Uh, I just want to say one thing first. Uh, Adrian, you're doing a great job with uh, minor talk after the games. Uh, I, w- I don't know if you're in the, uh, an alumni, and if you are, I think it's always good that you come from the, uh, the school that you're talking about because it's just more, you know, you feel it more because you went through as a student and... And watching the games and keeping up with them and whatnot, but you're doing a good job.
1: I appreciate that, Adrian. I, I want to say I am an alumni, but never really, you know, as a student, I never was watching the team as a fan. I was, I was covering the team in- at the Prospector, so you'd have to go back to my childhood when I was a big fan of this team.
4: Awesome, awesome. Uh, Cap also uh, with the pizza. Uh, I don't know if you ever seen uh, One Bite by uh, Dave Portner, the owner of uh, Barstool.
0: I have. I've watched oh, it, and, and, and I've yeah. actually tried his, I've tried his frozen pizza.
4: Uh, yeah, the pizza, his frozen pizza not that great, but, <laughs> I mean, he, 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 he's gone over 400 restaurants to try all that pizza, and I tell you, he knows his pizza, and when he says New York style is the best, it is the best. And for, since ever since I started watching him, I only eat cheese pizza if I have to between pepperoni and cheese. I'll go straight cheese, bar-style pizza, and
0: a New York-style. Cheese is the true indication of a great pizza. Because think about it. There's nothing on it besides cheese and sauce. So if you can enjoy a pizza the way it was meant to be, then you can add your toppings on. But after a while, when you start putting a ton of toppings, it basically defeats the purpose of the pizza. Because now you're really eating more of the toppings than you are the pizza itself.
4: Exactly, exactly. So cheese, plain cheese, is the way to go. Uh, but uh, I want to also uh, make uh, some uh, chime in on the game. I watched it. Yes. Um, they did good for not playing well. The refs didn't help. But those they had, what, 10 turnovers more than the North Texas? And that is basically the game right there because I don't know if how many points they scored off those turnovers. And that was an eight-point game. So if Soleil, Soleil Boom, and the enemy get a full game of of good basketball, because they both had one in the first and one in the second, Mm -hmm. I think U-Tip can can beat this team. So hopefully uh, they start getting better and they start working on their turnovers and and also on the rebound because I think they they shot over over 50% on on field goals and in three-pointers which is kind of impressive because, you know, they're not that great
0: of a shooting team. That's right, 100%. By the way, this team doesn't usually turn the ball over that much. That's the thing I said earlier about the Miners. You know, they only had had 11 turnovers against Rice, but there's been a lot of games where they've turned the ball over four, five, six times in a game. So they've done most of the time they do a really good job protecting the basketball, but understand this too. North Texas guards. They guard well, and that's a big – and they force turnovers, and that's one of the things that McCaskill's kind of known for as a head coach coach Over there is that they play very good defense.
4: Yeah, I think uh, uh, Tash was saying uh, that they're the second best defensive in some in some percentage of of whatnot, but that, that they're really good in defense. So. They are.
0: They absolutely. And they proved that yesterday. Good job, Adrian. Hey, thanks for the pizza suggestion. Appreciate that. Oh. And uh, thanks again for listening, man.
4: And and one more thing, uh, Cap. Uh, Pizza joint. The pizza joint is probably the best pizza in El Paso. All
0: right. I like in this my suggestion. Opinion. Well, we've got we've got a <laughs> few of those around here on the west side, so that's that's yeah. that's good. That's very good. All right, <laughs> All right we'll, we'll, we'll put a uh, we'll put a one up for pizza joint since uh, you just gave us a little uh, recommendation for them in honor of National Pizza Day tomorrow. Uh, if you want to give us your suggestions of the best pizza in the area, eight eight zero five seven six three. That is our telephone number. As we continue, eighteen passes. as we head over to Charlie one. He's got a traffic update for us. All right, Joe Linardi will be coming up here in just a little bit. little Sammy Hagar taking you back here as Sports Talk continues. Thanks to DJ Broadus, taking care of things for us today, handling the show. Love that. Keep it up, Adrian. Keep it up. You're doing terrific.
1: Um, DJ Broadus, never been called that.
0: Well, Now you have. You can add that to your collection. Let's uh, go to Ryan. He's with us as Sports Talk uh, rolls along. Hey, Ryan, thanks for getting in. How are you?
5: Hey, Steve. Hey, Adrian. Hey, I just caught I caught the conversation about Minor Talk. I'm a dedicated Minor Talk listener. I just started calling back into the program. Um, when I lived in El Paso, I called in all the time with Steve and with Taish And, Adrian, man, you're doing a, a great job, a heck of a job, getting Minor fans talking, uh, keeping the conversation going after games, man. I love it. And uh, I just wanted to, to jump off and drive
0: well, Ryan, I appreciate listening to K- KROD. Yeah, we appreciate that, Ryan. Thanks for coming back first off and being back with us. That's terrific. It's good to have you back calling in. Hey, I gotta ask you, what's your what are your impressions of this basketball team this season?
5: So I didn't watch the game last night. It was a superstition thing because I didn't watch the rice game and they won. And so I have this weird superstition thing going. But I, I look, they they hung with UNT for a while, of course, you know, North Texas. Came back and, and took the game because they're just well coached. They're a great team. Um, they're deep, uh, and you know, Utah hung as as well as I thought they were going to. Um, I think when Kennedy comes back, I think that just creates more weapons. Uh, and the wing just seems to have been playing without him. Just to add him back in, I don't think it's going to ruin chemistry. I think it's going to add to it. Um, and if JB continues just his hot streak if boom can continue shooting well and uh, they got, they got to protect the ball. And once Kennedy gets added to that, man, I, I don't know if you the team that anybody wants to see in the conference tournament, if uh, Kennedy's back and playing, I think UTEP has the potential for an upset or two and to make a run in the conference tournament, the way they've been playing uh, lately. I uh, just, you know, that's that, those are, those are my two cents. And, um, Last thing I want to say is, if anyone's ever in Las Vegas, Pizza Metro Pizza in Las Vegas, find you a Metro Pizza. a Pie is the best pizza in town. So what? thank you guys for taking my call, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna hang
0: up and listen. Ryan, what kind of style is Metro Pizza? Uh,
5: and, any style you want. They they uh, specialize in like New York style. Okay. Um, not super thin, but I mean it's it's wood fired New York style. It's excellent. Greasy, dripping nice. with cheese that's fantastic can you fold so, it in half you can fold it in half and okay. uh eat it like if you're on the streets of new york city it's fantastic Love so that. metro pizza
0: go find it we continue it's that time of year as we get ready for the ncaa tournament you know what that means bracketology and the man that started it all Hard to believe that over the last 20-plus years, Joe Lenardi has become a household name when it comes to the tournament, but that's exactly what his bracketology has turned into. Joe, welcome back to the show. Good to have you back on here. How are you today?
6: Well, thank you, Steve. It's especially noteworthy because, you know, I'm only 27 years old. It's amazing. You know, I don't know how this has happened the way it has in the time frame that you meant.
0: (laughs) But it has, Joe. That's that's the most important thing. And I'll tell you something else. The website has really evolved in terms of how bracketology is done because now it looks flashier than ever. You've got a lot of, a lot of information in there. And I'm sure for you, thanks to uh, computer technology and what the Internet's done, it makes things a little easier for you as you dissect everything.
6: Well, to be completely fair, I think when I really started doing brackets in the mid-90s, I'm not sure that there was even such a thing as a public Internet. So absolutely, it's different, better evolved, more informative, more competitive, more immediate, more everything. And uh, I'm just grateful to kind of have been along for the ride because certainly on the tech side, uh, no one would ever confuse me with uh, – you, you, you know, a uh, 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 rocket scientist, as they say. I, I, I know how to turn on the computer. I know how to enter data. And then I know how to turn it off before, like, I press the wrong button.
0: Well, nonetheless, uh, you've you've come such a long way, Joan. I'm proud of you because uh, I, I feel well,
6: like... Well, Steve, you yeah. were there at the beginning in the Blue Ribbon Day.
0: Exactly. 100% right. 100% right. So... And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm happy I'm still around and you're still around. It's good for us dinosaurs to still be doing this, which is why we, we start off today. And, and I'm looking at the conference breakdown as you've updated things this morning, Joe. And Big 12, Big 10 have seven along with the SEC. Then the Big East with six, the ACC with five, the West Coast Conference with four along with the Mountain West and the Pac-12. Now, I've watched a lot of Big 12 basketball this year because I've been fascinated by how good it is. Plus, Bryson Williams played for UTEP last year and he has been absolutely... Absolutely uh shining for Texas Tech and Mark Adams with his club this season. And even last night's Texas win over Kansas. I I love the Big Twelve. I think the quality of basketball is great, and it really wouldn't surprise me, Joe, if they get a team into the Final Four.
6: Absolutely not. Or even more. Uh, but and and I'll say this, and and, and this kind of goes unspoken and maybe is even more. Notable as we go forward here. But one of the reasons why the Big 12 has done so doggone well in terms of NCAA tournament selection and seeding in recent years is whereas almost all the other power conferences got really big really fast, in terms of the metrics, the metrics that drive selection and seeding, less is more. Uh, And this can be proven with the math uh, and the spreadsheets, I don't know how to do it, but I know what the data says when it gets to the end and, you know, when you can put seven out of 10 teams in the field and, and, you know, it's not inconceivable that K state, you know, gets there and and makes it eight. And and for a while before WVU's collapse, it could have been nine out of the eligible nine, you know, that's even more impressive than like a a Big Ten getting 10 out of 15. Because, you know, that's two-thirds. Ten is a ton. But, you know, seven or eight out of ten or eight out of nine is outrageous. And the reason why the metrics work better is when these leagues expand and the Big 12 is going to do it, right, they're going to lose two heavyweights and then add four. I get it. Uh, The reason it works is when you add, you're almost never adding at the top. And you're almost always adding in the middle or the bottom, because the Kansases of the world, the Dukes of the world, the UCLA's of the world, you know, the Michigan States of the world are not available <laughs> at at expansion time. You know, Kentucky, whatever, whatever the case may be, uh, because they're leading their own leagues and. And, and and that's why you tend to sag, because then you start to play more games against lesser teams. I'm not saying bad teams, just lesser than you once were. Plus, the full round robin is, you know, if you're old school like us, is kind of the way conference play is supposed to be. You get a true champion, because everyone played the same schedule, so... Uh, That's a long way of saying I'm with you when it comes to the Big 12, and uh, I'll be anxious to see what they do, you, you know, come come BYU and Cincy and Central Florida and all that.
0: Joe, I watched uh, UTEP in North Texas last night before that uh, Kansas game against uh, the Longhorns, and Miners hung tough, but North Texas showed why they're having a, such a terrific year. In fact, the Mean Green is uh, 10-1 in the league, 17-4 and overall. They've won nine in a row, yet they're still in that uh, tough spot where if they don't win the tournament, Kind of like New Mexico State and the WAC, they might not find themselves in because you do not have the WAC or Conference USA or any of those leagues with multiple bids. It kind of all stops with four, which is the West Coast, Mountain West, and Pac-12. Yeah,
6: and now that's unusual as well to to be that kind of West Coasted, if you will. You know, we're always accused of East Coast bias, uh, and that's just not the way the games have gone this year. Uh, but, but when you look at, uh, you know, what I would call the next rung, whether it's the Missouri Valley or Commerce USA or, and the WAC is vastly improved, vastly improved. Uh, I don't want to say top to bottom, but at least top to middle. Uh, you, you know, so there's hope going forward. But, you know, the reality is in recent years, the committee has not looked very favorably upon, you know, leagues outside the top eight or nine in terms of second team in, at large candidate, et cetera. I think the big test this year will probably be Murray State, if they need it, at what, twenty two and two, I think. And I have the racers right now as a ten, which believe it or not, is even better than the seed they got in the John Morant. And and think about how good that team was.
0: Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. Uh, yet, I look at CUSA's record of winning first-round games. They've won it for like the last six, seven years in a row. I forget how many years it is, but they always seem to knock off a high seed, which to me you would think would just increase the credibility of the conference, but it really hasn't, Joe.
6: Well, you would think. Uh, and And I would think a lot of things, maybe differently if I were the chair of the committee. Uh, but I'm fairly certain that that's never going to happen and that I don't have a vote. And for better or worse, six of the 10 seats always go to power conference representatives. That's just the way the bylaws are. Uh, and I, I'll let others be the judge of what that means. Uh, but I think we know what the
0: Absolutely, I will
6: say that you doesn't you're, make the yep. tournament any worse. Wow. Like the tournament is, as Jay Billow says, the tournament is idiot proof, uh, and sometimes it needs to be.
0: You do have UAB among your first four out, which is encouraging yeah. because it shows you that right now North Texas and UAB are both on the verge. They would just have to keep yep. winning out and probably play in the championship in order to make that, that rare exception taking place. So,
6: And they need to get help elsewhere, right? Like yep. you'd need there not to be Mary State losing in its conference, or Davidson, or Loyola Chicago, or whomever. Uh, and, you know, nobody running roughshod through one of the power leagues like some, you know, Minnesota or Mississippi State or Butler or you name it. Uh, Yet, history would suggest that we're going to have one or two or three of those because that's the history.
0: I'll tell you what, if you go to ESPN.com and go to the tournament bracketology, Joe, how often do you update this?
6: Now the full bracket gets reposted every Tuesday and Friday. Uh, and then once the conference tournament starts, you know, in the one-bid leagues that at first weekend of March, it will go daily. And, you know, the last few days when, when when there's all those games morning, noon, and night, we'll update it whenever there's a change because that is the biggest difference in bracketology over the 20, 25 years, Steve, is, you know it used to be we would time stop a bracket once a week and the public was happy
3: mm-hmm. uh,
6: now they have this thing called the internet and cable and and the crawler and you know they actually want me to have an opinion on things 24/7 it's hard to believe really cuz you know the rest of the year no one cares what i think about anything
0: you didn't even mention social media which is the big game changer these days so you're 100% right uh folks, oh, i don't
6: even know about that cuz I, I i don't have a i don't have a smartphone
0: No, good. Don't ever do that. Don't ever change, Joe. Don't ever change.
6: I'm I'm just kidding. I have a dumb phone. And, And let me tell you, it gets quite a workout in the next six weeks.
0: I believe it. Folks, uh, Joe Linardi, check him out at ESPN.com and and Bracketology. Follow him on social media like you just heard so you can uh, directly interact with him as he gets set. That's perfect. Hey, listen, always great having you on. Thanks for the time, and looking forward to seeing how things uh, shake out here over the next uh, six weeks or so.
5: You
6: bet. Thanks for having me.
0: All right, nine in front of six as we continue here on Sports Talk. UTEP softball right around the corner. T.J. Hubbard, head coach, will be in at 6, players at 6.30. But first, though, I want to tell you a story about uh, what happened to a family in northeast El Paso. David and uh, his family, they had to sell. That's right, they had to sell their home, but they were concerned about how to sell because of their personal circumstances that David was dealing with. They felt a little desperate because of the inconveniences as well as the time involved in selling. But then they reached out to Brian Birds and his team. They were always there to help them out with great advice. In fact, the home was sold for top dollar. And that was big for David and his family. They were able to get it done thanks to uh, Brian Birds and his team. In fact, here's what they had to say At times when we felt desperate and stressed, Brian was always there to let us know what would be the best for us and not letting us give up. Feels great to have an agent in which you can fully trust, which is what it's all about with Brian Birds. And if you're worried about leaving money on the table if you sell your home, don't worry. Brian can guarantee to sell your home for a price and deadline you both agreed to, or he'll buy it himself. That's right, no drama with Brian Birds. So call the official real estate agent of UTEP, El Paso Locomotive FC, not to mention the only agent I would call if I needed to sell my home. You can go online at brianbirds.com or Google Brian Birds, B U R D S, and start packing. All right, as we uh, wind up, hour number two here on Sports Talk and uh, look ahead to what's going to be a pretty busy uh, final hour with uh, UTEP softball being the discussion. Uh, Interesting story today involving Trevor Bauer, Adrian. No criminal charges by L.A. prosecutors, according to the L.A. County District Attorney's Office today. So they reviewed the case over five months Uh, which, of course, stems from the sexual assault allegations made against Bauer by a San Diego woman who sought a restraining order against him back in June. The district attorney's office considered and rejected charges of assault by means likely to produce great bodily injury and sodomy of an unconscious person during the first sexual encounter between Bauer and the woman back on April 22nd, and then domestic violence during the second sexual encounter on May 16th. So the district attorney now will not do anything the bigger question I have is what will baseball do when baseball is done investigating? Cause that's going to be the big one. MLB said it's investigation into Bauer is ongoing and they will comment further at the appropriate time. And you wonder, even though Bauer is now not going to face criminal charges with uh, the LA district attorney's office, he could still face a lengthy suspension Adrian possibly a year or more, depending on what happens when baseball gets done with him.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what baseball finds in this. Is they're very plugged in, and they they were trying to they're investigating this. But I, I was very surprised with the note that he wasn't going to be criminally charged by L.A. Uh, prosecutors today.
0: How about what's going to happen though with the Dodgers? They owe Bauer upwards of forty seven million dollars this upcoming season. So you don't think they want to know what's going to happen?
1: Yeah, exactly. They want to know what's going to happen with their pitcher, and and do they have to make other plans there? Yeah.
0: It's going to be really interesting to see what baseball does when they're, when they're finished with this uh, investigation uh, with Trevor Bauer. But anyway, uh, that was a win for him, but he still has a long way to go as far as baseball goes. All right, we'll talk softball, little UTEP softball. To begin hour number three, Sports Talk continues right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. Welcome back, everybody, as we begin our final hour here on Sports Talk. We haven't heard Jim Ward in a while. It's good to have him back on the show. Very nice. We've got to get our next guest uh, some headphones. Let's get him all set up. Coach uh, T.J. Hubbard is there. Go grab one of those. They're just dangling waiting for you, Coach, and you can uh, have that. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, having you on the program and welcoming you back to the show because it's been a while. Good to see you. How you been? Been well, man. Good to see you. Well, I'm telling you, you look good. You look like you're ready for a little baseball. That's that's our softball, I should say. That's what it's all about. There is no baseball right now. We got a lockout going on. So I know, right? To get some to get some hardball, we need a little college softball right now.
7: Absolutely.
0: Um, you have been probably dealing with some of the tougher challenges for when you took the job. Nobody expected all that what happened with COVID to really uh, I'm sure that wasn't part of the job description when you first came here and trying to build a program and deal with all of the uh, issues involving, um, you know, scheduling and, and delays and testing. Uh, tell us a little bit about how tough it's been for you. Yeah, there's
7: definitely been some obstacles, you know, the, the COVID uh, year in 2020, what, maybe two months into my first year here, um, and then coming back with the testing and the, the restrictions and requirements from a from a scheduling standpoint, practice-wise, and then not even be able to play what, what I would consider a full season last year, mm-hmm. um, probably 35, 37 games of what you potentially could play 56 max. Um, so there's been some obstacles, been some challenges, um, but uh, we're all excited to uh, to get back to a new year and, and be kind of free of some of that stuff. I fr- I first met
0: you at the Spring Home Show at the convention center when you dropped in that day, and I remember you told me that this was not an, a quick overnight fix. This was going to take a little time to, to really put the roster together and and build the team the way you want, and it's funny because now... Um, your good pal Ben Wallace has put the blueprint together of how to take a program and try to turn it around in a couple of years because he's done that with the volleyball program, and everybody else is thinking,
7: well, Ben can do it with volleyball, then TJ can do it with softball, and everybody should be able to do it, right? Yeah, it's definitely not overnight. It's a lot of nights uh, to put uh, uh – a new roster together, um, just the recruiting process of finding the right kids. So it's, it's definitely probably a, a two to three year project of getting it turned around.
0: What's the biggest thing that you could see now that maybe you realize today that you didn't necessarily know when
7: you first came on board here a couple of years ago? Um, there's definitely obstacles recruiting kids to El Paso. Um, I think there's definitely a challenge there that I didn't anticipate. Um, we've had a good amount of success with the kids that we've brought in and, and feel really lucky with the kids that we've drawn to El Paso. But there's definitely a little bit of hesitancy from, from a recruiting standpoint with some of those individuals that we're trying to target. If you get them here, do you have a pretty good closing ratio? Yeah, I would say um, if they step foot on campus, it's probably 90% or better um, in terms of success rate. You are saying the same thing that every coach has ever
0: said for Utah over the last 30 years that the hardest part is getting them here. And once you can figure that part out, Everything else is easy because the facilities, the field, it really helps sell, and and the location
7: right in the mountain helps sell itself, doesn't it, Coach? Absolutely. If you can get the if you can get them and their folks on campus, see it in person, uh, very very high rate of success at that point.
0: Do you battle a lot of uh, bigger programs uh, when it comes to uh, athletes here at UTEP, or mostly CUSA schools or mid majors? Give me a little bit of an idea of about some of the you know the, the players you're going after, and really some of the other schools that you're having to compete
7: against. Well, we're Trying to do the best we can to, to hunt the best kids in Texas that we can that we can pull in. Um, so we're always competing against the the mid majors, even the power fives in the state of Texas. So we're we're going hard after a lot of Texas kids, um, but also the the ASUs, the Arizonas, um, some of the more regional opponents, of course, New Mexico State as well. So uh, we're going against uh you know what I would consider probably you know top fifty, top seventy five softball programs across the country.
0: How is the quality of talent? In El Paso, when you really look at the, the, the softball players here compared to some of the other areas that, that you recruit up?
7: Yeah, there's definitely some pockets. You know, you have a lot of kids that uh, that play the club ball in the high school um, circuit around here, as well as some of the New Mexico kids that'll come down and play the club um, scene with, with some El Paso teams. So there's some good pockets of kids in this region, um, New Mexico, El Paso, um, and even a little bit further uh, east of us, there's some there's some pockets of kids that you can find and track down. So it's, it's above average, for sure. I was going to ask you about New
0: Mexico. And I guess the advantage there is you've got uh, two big... Uh, In-state schools in New Mexico State in New Mexico, but after that, smaller schools and other area schools. So, if you can get in on a prospect early on, have a pretty good shot, especially when you look at the facility and everything that El Paso has to offer. Not to mention, some kids just want to get out of the state
7: of New Mexico and go someplace else to go play. Absolutely, and and I feel like we've we've had a good amount of success with the New Mexico kids. Um, there's there's a good amount of talent in that state. Um, they play a competitive high school um, schedule as well as uh, the club ball scene, um, and we've we've done very well with the kids we've targeted in that state. TJ Hubbard with us here on Sports Talk. Now,
0: I have a 9-year-old kid and he's playing baseball just, you know, like everybody else does, but I see people right now that are that have, you know, seven Eight, nine, ten year old kids, they're traveling all over the country and they're spending a fortune and they're playing in tournaments around, you know, California, Arizona, all over the place. And I'm thinking, man, club ball has exploded over the last 10 years. Uh, is it the same way with softball? Do you find that there are showcases and there are players that are at a very young age having their families invest thousands and thousands of dollars to play all over the country for a chance to maybe come to UTEP or someplace else?
7: Yeah. The, the, travel ball scene in, in softball at uh, 8, nine, ten, and under uh, age range is is just silly, ridiculous right now. So they take those kids all over the country, just like you're saying, coast to coast. Um, they, they they play, you know, 100 games a summer, it seems like. So investing a lot of money, investing a lot of time, uh, of course, a lot of windshield time uh, and driving from tournament to tournament. So um, it's definitely exploded. It's, it's almost uh, insanity at times. What's the advice
0: that you give parents? Do you tell them, wait until your kids are a certain age, that really as long as you play, get the basic fundamentals right now, you're not going to be making or breaking a, a, a youngster's life years down the road? Or do you tell them, challenge yourself go out go play and see what it's like against really good competition out of el paso if you had to
7: talk to families right now especially those that have youngsters what what advice would you give them coach i think it's i think it's important to to test your kids and get them out and have a challenging schedule the the one thing that i've i've expressed to other coaches and other parents is let them play other sports. I mean, the, the most athletic kids typically are the ones that really excel in those sports when they get to high school. Uh, I think it's detrimental to, to put them in one sport for the entire time. So I think it's, you know, I think it's good from a, from a competitive standpoint, but it's probably detrimental from a developmental standpoint, um, you know, keeping them away from the soccers, the basketballs, the volleyballs, things of that sort.
0: I also wonder if they play one sport, Burnout compared to playing multiple sports uh, throughout the course of their uh, you know their their early years.
7: Yeah, burnout and and injuries. You know, just the overuse injuries. So I think uh, you know from from our time frame when we were playing all you know four or five sports throughout the year, I think you would see kids that would would have a little bit of break from the overhand throwing or you know moving on to basketball, getting more conditioning things of that sort. So it's one of those things that I think the injuries are are on the rise as well. Um, burnout is certainly something that's going to happen in the high school time frame. I'm with you on that one.
0: Now. Um, I'm looking you mentioned last season you only played 37 games uh, 11 and 26 overall, 5 and 15 in conference. If you had to look at last season, where would you say that the team was strongest and where really
7: they, they needed the most help? You know, I think in in terms of where we needed the most help was just kind of down the stretch in some of those games. I felt like we were really, really competitive early on. A lot of times we would jump out to a lead um, and just had a hard time closing the door. You know, maybe those last three innings of the game um, would get away from us. Um, As far as what we did well, I think we did a great job offensively uh, given the pitching that we see in Conference USA. Um, I think we did a good job of of battling and putting together a really good offensive lineup. Um, But we just, we we had to get better down the stretch, late in the game, uh, being able to shut the other teams down offensively. What's tougher, getting good starting pitching or getting really good relief pitching? That's a good question. Sometimes it's both.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I can imagine. Because I always think that you have a couple of good starters, that really kind of sets the tone, but it's hard to find great pitchers that with rubber arms, isn't it, you could, that you could throw out there
7: every couple of days and expect to give you five, six, seven innings a pop. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. You, you'll have kids that go out there on day one of a series and, and throw lights out, and then you try to bring them back in maybe on the back end of a game, and they, they just don't have it. So there's, there's definitely some challenges, but I think we have um, we have a good, I think, forecast uh, pitching-wise of, of what we're looking for, and I think we'll get that out of the kids this year.
0: That's good, and I'm sure for you that's been one of the priorities, and um, as far as newcomers go, have you been able to recruit some players that you think will really be able to help out in the pitching department?
7: Yes, I think I think we've been able to pull in um, some solid freshmen this year, um, and even the kind of projecting forward, I think we'll be able to build on those over the next several years, and I think they're going to develop into some, some high-level pitchers for us over the course of their career. How many did you recruit this year as far as freshmen goes? Uh, freshmen five. Um, but then had quite a few Division one and Junior College transfers kind of add into that whole entire recruiting class.
0: So of the five freshmen, how many do you think will have a chance to play and, and contribute this season?
7: I think all five wow, uh, in, awesome. so, in some capacity. You know, there's there's different strengths and weaknesses for each of them, and I think there's different positions that they are uh, vital for us, you know, in, in different uh, categories. But um, I think all five will have uh, uh, definitely contribution level. How many players from the portal and uh, JUCO? Um, got three junior college players, um, and then a couple of, uh, division one transfers. So I think we're, um, nice. You have 10 newcomers, right? Yeah. Now. Five,
0: yeah. five freshmen and then uh, five through JUCO and, and the D one portal.
7: Yeah. And, and I think it gave us a good mix, you know, not just bringing in, um, mm-hmm. you know, m- more than five freshmen, got some kids with some collegiate experience. Um, I think it puts us in a good position moving forward. Um, just to kind of add a little uh, experience, a little bit of age, um, to our recruiting class.
0: Do you like the portal, or are you like every other coach, and uh,
7: it's very difficult just because it's so volatile in all sports, including softball? Um. It kind of depends on the time of year if you ask me that question. You know, mm-hmm. if it's if it's going well at the end of the season for us and we're pulling the kids we want, I really like it. It's it's mid-year and some kids aren't terribly happy, then uh, I'm, I'm kind of against it. But uh, um, it's it's part of it. We're all having to get used to it in terms of how we recruit and how we go about it. But uh, um, it's just it's definitely changing the landscape of, of college athletics.
0: I really like the fact, though, that you have 10 newcomers. They could all play and contribute. So, really, um, you look at your team, it sounds like it's going to be deep You've got uh, a lot of talent that's going to be coming in, new talent, and ultimately sometimes that really helps, doesn't it, when you can take your current group add to the good, and then figure out ways
7: to overhaul those areas of need and, and really build a, a you know, a much better team the following season. Yeah, and we've tried to pull in uh, kids that are athletic and versatile enough to play a lot of different positions. So we have a lot of kids, uh, including the freshmen, that can play two or three spots. So we give ourselves depth in, in, in you know some of the offensive areas that we need, but also gives us depth in multiple defensive positions.
0: You start uh, on Thursday. You've got Idaho State, and that's going to be, what, a doubleheader, 2 o'clock and 5 o'clock? Correct. To kick things off at Helen of Troy Softball Complex, which we'll get to in a moment, and then... Uh, the next day on Friday, you've got Abilene, Christian, and Creighton in a nice uh, doubleheader. So you start – I like that. Four games in two days, Coach. And then after uh, after Friday, you play Creighton again Saturday and Abilene, Christian on Sunday. So that's a lot of softball over the course of about a four-day period. You're going to
7: start to learn a lot about your team right out of the gate, aren't you? Yeah, and I think it's important for us not not necessarily having a full season last year. Um, one of the biggest points that I wanted to uh, emphasize this year was having a, a close-to-full schedule um, um, give our chance uh, give our kids a chance to have as much experience in in you know innings pitched at bats all of that going into their junior and senior years so
0: now, we talked about pitching. Let me ask you about hitting. Is this going to be the kind of team that you think manufactures a lot of runs, a lot of speed, and and uh, just putting the ball in play? Or do you expect uh, a lot of power to go along with this season and, and see some uh, some ladies that can
7: definitely put the ball over the fence? I think it's a very balanced lineup. So I think we have more speed than what we've had in the past. So we have some kids that can be some play set to table setters, play setters. Um, I think we have a good amount of, of power in that middle section of the lineup. And then we have the, the normal kind of contact kids that are going to be, you know, more of the hit and run type uh, category of of, of hitters, um, put the ball in play, you know, move runners around, manufacture. Um, it's a very balanced lineup, in my opinion. Is this the first time since you've been here where you can look at a team heading into the season?
0: feel good about it and say, this is really the kind of team that I envisioned when I took
7: the job and when I got here. This will be the, the best representation so far in my three years. This will be the, the closest look or the give you kind of the best um, example of what we're hoping to get to.
0: That's what I figured. But on the flip side, a year or two down the road, you could say the exact same thing. Say It's getting better and better and better. Like you, you almost need that point to really turn things in the direction you want.
7: Absolutely. Okay. All right.
0: Let's, talk, let's come back. Let's talk about the ball field. I'm excited about that. And if you have any phone calls for T.J. Hubbard, now's the time to get in. 880-5763, that is our telephone number. First, though, we'll uh, take a timeout, come back with more in a moment. It's 600 ESPN El Paso. Welcome back, everybody, as we continue 21 past the hour right now. We've got uh, head coach T.J. Hubbard with us. We'll have members of the team in a moment. UTEP softball folks, they get it started right now. Uh, Thursday, Idaho State, the doubleheader. 2 and 5 o'clock, and then uh, we'll also have other games as well. There'll be morning games. Idaho State will be playing Abilene Christian. Creighton's in town. Friday at 4, it'll be UTEP and Abilene Christian. Friday at 7, UTEP and Creighton. Then 4 o'clock Saturday, Creighton again. Sunday, Abilene Christian. So you get Creighton twice, Abilene Christian twice, Idaho State twice. So six games spread out nicely, just the way you wanted, Right, Coach?
7: Absolutely. I think it's a great way to open up the uh, the 22 season.
0: What can you tell us uh, about uh, the teams we're going to be seeing here?
7: You know, I just, Idaho State will be a, a strong competitor from the uh, you know from the Big Sky Conference. They always have uh, legitimate hitters, good pitching. Um, Creighton's always tough; they're always good. Um, and Abilene Christian picked up some solid uh, D one transfers over the over the summer.
0: There's never a bad team when it comes to softball, right? I mean, it doesn't matter what school you're from. They're going to bring it, and they're going to have probably be pretty competitive, especially early on. I feel like early on is the hardest part because teams are really getting to know each other for the first time, so you don't really
7: have a chance to hit your stride until a few months later. Absolutely. I mean, it doesn't matter what uh, what new kids you bring in or what returners you have. There's always an identity to, to kind of figure out those first three or four weeks of the season.
0: Absolutely. Um, now, as far as the softball complex itself, Helen of Troy, I understand that it's gone through a little bit of a facelift here this offseason.
7: Huge renovation. Um, huge project for us. Um, they came in over the over the semester break and uh, renovated the entire field surface, um, front to back, side to side. Um, looks beautiful. Looks amazing. Um, it's it's a great place now to to play and watch games. What kind of field? Is it like a field turf? Is that what you have? Yes, field turf, um, front to back, um, no longer any dirt or any natural grass. Oh, wow. Completely artificial.
0: Oh, that's so that's got to be nice because what it does do is it leaves every bounce to be a true bounce.
7: Absolutely.
0: I would hate taking a bad hop off of the dirt, right, ladies? We'll talk about that in a little bit. But now, you know, every bounce is right now. Do most of the really good softball
7: complexes around the country, is that what they have, natural turf all the way? There's, there's more going that direction. I'd still say it's probably more dominant with, uh, with natural grass or even artificial outfield um, with dirt infield. But there's more and more schools moving that way.
0: Do we move the fences back, Coach? Do we? Did we move the fences no, back we didn't. during this renovation? No, no, no. We don't want to make it like it's a, a Titanic blast, <laughs> so balls just uh, never leave the yard, and we we just we just play uh, we just play small ball the whole time. I tried to get them to move them in, but they wouldn't let me. Oh, that would have been fun too. <laughs> Um, when balls get hit over, can they get hit into the uh, street? I guess they can, right? Absolutely. That's nice. Do we have fans that hang out over the fence with gloves
7: just in case they get a couple souvenirs coming their way like, uh, like Wrigley? Yeah, I haven't seen anyone yet, but uh, I definitely encourage it if they want to get out there and try. That would be a lot of fun. That would be a lot of fun. So... Um... As far as Conference USA goes, uh, how would we like
0: describe the league itself? I mean, is Conference USA one of the better Group of Five leagues you're
7: going to find for a college softball? It's definitely on the upper end of that. Um, I would say probably uh, middle to top end if you were kind of ranking across the board of, of where the conference is at. But definitely some strong competitors. You have the um, you know the Western Kentuckys who won the won the tournament last year, but the UABs, the Charlotte's, uh, the North Texas. There's there's a quality um, amount of, of, of opponents in there that that makes the league. T- Tough. and the league is changing next couple of years yeah. it's going to be a whole
0: different league than it is right now
7: Yes, yeah, there's a there's a lot of uh, switching and moving, but uh, for the, at least the next two years, it's going to be a tough conference to play in.
0: So you're playing the Littlewood Classic in Tempe against uh, teams like not just ASU, but you've got Illinois State, Minnesota, Portland State, and Cal. I like that. I mean, it's amazing. You're playing against five teams over the course of uh, three days, so that's going to be a lot of fun for you. Then you go to Albuquerque in the Lobo Classic, and you get Buffalo, Charlton State, North Dakota State, as well as University of New Mexico. You're going to play um, Incarnate Word, you got the Aggies, and then uh, Arizona in Tucson, which is always going to be fun. Um where is Arizona ranked to start the year?
7: I believe I saw them at 7th. Well, oh,
0: good. Is that is that the best team you're going to see this season or no? Um
7: at least right now from a preseason standpoint, yes. What's ASU? Um I think they were in the top 20. I don't remember exactly where, maybe 21, 22.
0: Anybody else were missing in terms of that or is that pretty much going to be the best the probably the best two you're going to see?
7: At least right now, those will be the the highest ranked. Minnesota will probably be in that mix as well.
0: How hard is it to schedule? I'm always wondering, from a softball standpoint, is it difficult bringing schools in, um, or do you have to play a lot more road games than you want because it's tougher to get teams to come in here? How does scheduling work out for
7: you? It's been, at least the the two years that I've had to schedule, it's been fairly easy. Um, I think we've done a good job of bringing uh, quality opponents in. Um, This year was a little bit tough. I think everyone was kind of uh, unsure what the budgets and what the travel opportunities look like so this year was a little bit more difficult but um, it's been easy to at least get as many home games as what we want
0: that's good now Arizona Arizona State their powerhouses have you had success with like the Texas the Texas A&M's the Tex the TCU's
7: some of those schools either play there or have them come here We've been in conversation. Um, You know, it's always kind of tough because a lot of times uh, those teams are already kind of making, you know, uh, agreements or contracts, you know, several years out in advance. So I think over the next, you know, two to three years, we'll start seeing some more of those uh, get to El Paso. Head coach TJ Hubbard here with us as we continue. All right, let's talk about leaders.
0: Give me a little bit of an idea. Some of the ladies that are going to be your go to players, names that fans need to know for this upcoming season.
7: Uh, There's a lot to list. I think there's a a ton of opportunity for, for all of those kids to be in leadership positions. I think there's a good amount of talent. I think it makes a very strong competitive group of, of kids. So it's, it's going to be tough to, to isolate or pinpoint, you know, one or two, because there's going to be uh, so many opportunities for all those young ladies to, to step into a role and and, and be leaders, um, both with performance and just, just overall character.
0: So Lexi's here with us. We'll get a chance to talk to her in a little bit. Uh, you've got Sky Estrada. She's from East Lake, El Paso on your roster. Tony Gonzalez is another one uh, from uh, you know, and she came from North Texas as well as Andrus. Um, and then you look at Autumn Scott from right here in East Lake. You've done well in El Paso and that doesn't even uh, mention Silver City. And uh, one of your infielders right now, Asia Richard, who's coming in here. So you've got a you've
7: got a nice mix of getting people from this area, don't you? Yeah, we've been we've been, we've had a good amount of success. We've been lucky with uh, pulling the kids in from this area that we needed to, and then you know kind of spanning out a little bit into New Mexico as well. I like that. You even went to the Netherlands to find some of your
0: talent. Uh, what can now do we do we have some uh, some more European imports on the team, or is, is that
7: going to be it for us? She's she's the lone international. How is she? She's good. Did they, do they play good softball in europe absolutely yes they do okay. yes
0: all right um let me see what else i've got for you before i wrap it up right here. <laughs> um all right um major league baseball's in a lockout what's going to happen give me your prediction
7: Man, it's hard for me to uh, i'm not real sure yeah you know, i think i think it'll you be s- it'll be delayed a little bit but i think they'll get it figured out okay
0: um Will the Astros be back next year? Absolutely. You're a big Astros fan. Big Astros fan. All right. Um, by the way, the Astros have been terrific. Will the Rangers ever get it done? <sighs> you were in North
7: Texas for a while, yeah, weren't you? Yeah, I was. All I right. was, and, and that was when Nolan Ryan was there, and I thought they were doing a fantastic job with him. So if they can find someone, I think, of of his level or his capacity, I think they'll get back there.
0: Why do the Astros have such a good foundation and the Rangers don't?
7: Uh, I think they've done a great job at the at the lower levels, Double A, Triple They've put a huge investment in technology and development, and I think that they're 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 seeing kind of the results of all of their work.
0: All right, now I'm going to put you in a really tough spot. And they're okay. going to and UTEP's going to hate me for this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, I get a ton of calls about baseball, as you might imagine. Bring baseball back to UTEP. Baseball left in '85, hasn't been back since. We have softball we are getting beach volleyball. I'm excited about that. And yet we still have fans that want baseball. And you probably understand why. You go to the Chihuahuas, you see a beautiful facility, a, a team that really has been very entertaining the last eight years. It would almost be a natural and I hope, I hope you're here when we can one day make the announcement that baseball is coming back to UTEP.
7: Yeah, it's it's a tough sport to add. You know, whenever I was in North Texas starting in 2003, that that was the big talk there of getting baseball started. They still don't have a baseball team wow. um, as of now. So it's, it's a it's difficult sport to add, um, takes a lot of facilities, takes a lot of money to get that thing up and going. And it's tough. I'd love to see it, but it's just, it's a tough venture.
0: That's interesting, too, because North Texas is doing very well in football, very well in basketball, and yet still no baseball. So it goes to show you that just how tough it is to adapt that particular sport uh, on board.
7: Yeah. I mean, you're talking to the, the scholarships, and I don't know if I'm at liberty to say this, but you, you have less than 12 scholarships. You typically have to carry a 35-man roster, so oh. it's tough.
0: So my suggestion was, at swimming and diving at UTEP, this is, now here's my master plan. Football will be back on track. You'll get 40,000 fans, and all of a sudden the the surplus is going to come into the budget. Basketball is going to do well with Joe, so you get basketball and football rocking again. Add swimming and diving. Tons of scholarships there. You solve the Title IX situation with one sport, then you look to bring baseball on.
7: Hey, I'd be on board with that.
0: So would I. Um, It's probably going to be years away at best but hopefully you and i are both still here doing this and we'll get a chance to talk about it and say hey remember when we talked about that's uh baseball it'll be fun exactly
7: we'll go catch a game
0: there you go i like that idea a lot all right last thing before i let you run i'll get the uh, ladies coming up next if you had to just tell fans why they should come out this season to watch the minors play softball what, what would be your sales pitch to them
7: we have an ex- exciting group of young ladies. Uh, they're passionate. Uh, they're determined. They they play hard. They work hard. Um, they deserve uh, a good amount of support from the community. Coach, good stuff. Thanks for being here. We appreciate that. Thank you. TJ Hubbard here as we
0: continue. I'll tell you why I'm laughing in a moment, Coach. More in a moment. First, Adrian in Center, TJ, but then this Ed McDonald question just popped it on Twitter 13 minutes ago. And I just saw for the first time. All right, boy, I really thought I was putting you on the spot then. This is tougher, Coach. Here we go. From Ed McDonald. Coach, if you wanted to pick a program within a 600-mile radius, which includes Austin, Dallas, Tucson, Phoenix, all of New Mexico, and maybe part of Oklahoma, who would you say is the best program within that radius that you, meaning UTEP softball,
7: would emulate? And that's a huge radius to – choose from I would say at this point right now University of Oklahoma of what they've done the last uh, several years and what they've done over you know the, the course of their postseason experience so that would be the closest one that I could think of at how the moment
0: how far have they gone
7: oh uh, well I mean they're last year's national champions yeah. uh, and they, in the last five six years they've had uh, some of the best teams in college softball
0: so if you're going to pick one pick the best pick
7: the best All absolutely
0: right. Good job. Way to knock it out, Coach. Appreciate yeah, you sticking around. Thank you very much. No problem. All right. So there he is, TJ Hubbard, as we continue on Sports Talk. Now, I want to welcome in Zaylee Calderon and Lexi Morales to the program. If we can move that mic over to Lexi, that'll be great. Zaylee, good to see you. How are you today? And thanks so much for being here.
8: Good. How
0: are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. And Lexi, we appreciate you uh, stopping in and making time for us as well. How's everything going? Pretty great, yes, sir. All right, ladies, tell me how we're doing. We've got the season starting on Thursday, so uh, how far along are we, and uh, are we ready to uh, kick off the 2022 campaign for UTEP softball? Zaley, I'll start with you.
8: Um, I think this team is ready. I, we've, we went through two weeks of boot camp early January, and it was a lot of grind, but everybody seems to be ready and excited. All
0: right, what is boot camp like? Let me hear.
8: Basically, you're at the field all day. Okay. Softball in the morning. Lunch, softball in the afternoon. So that sounds amazing. It's yeah, it's fun. Like I would love a lot that. Of team you know, if
0: I'm if I'm a player and I get to play all day, that's got to be that's got to be great. Yeah. So he did that. Uh, hard work during boot camp. I'm assuming it was a lot of conditioning drills or fundamentals. What are we uh, What are we t- situational play? What are we talking about? A little here?
8: bit of everything from fundamentals to scrimmaging to conditioning to lifting. You have everything during that time frame.
0: Now, you've been, this is what, your third season here at UTEP? Yes. All right. How does this group uh, start to shape up with what it uh, was like when you first arrived here?
8: It's a lot different. New culture. I mean, new traditions are in play. A lot of new faces. We have a young team this year. So I think there's a lot of eager eager individuals on our team, and it's bringing a good competitive spirit.
0: So, Zayla, you, you get to be like the leader of the team, right? You're one of the vets now that you've been doing this for the last couple seasons.
8: Yeah, in a way. In a way.
0: That's That's good. I like that. And I also understand that for you... It's all about you pitch, but you also play all over the field. Is that correct? That
8: is correct. Yes, I play um, outfield.
0: What do you What do you enjoy more? Do you enjoy pitching, or you like playing the outfield?
8: That's a hard. That's that's a hard question. But I think I've kind of gone into that role of accepting that if I need to pitch, I'll pitch.
0: Okay, so you're like a reliever. You come in, you try to shut the door. Yes, sir. All right. Um, let's see here. You're a um. So you're a righty or a lefty?
8: I'm a right-handed pitcher, but left-handed batter.
0: All right. How fast do you throw? What do they clock yet?
8: I don't know, I haven't been clocked in a while, but maybe upper 60s.
0: Very nice. With movement, obviously, because that's the key with fast-pitch softball. Ball has to move. As long as it's moving, doesn't matter how hard you throw, it's, it's tough to hit.
8: Mm, yeah, that's pretty true. I mean, for the most part, within that 58 range, I, 60.
0: I played baseball my whole life, and then all of a sudden I started playing slow pitch, and then one year I start playing fast pitch, and it was flat-out scary. Number one, you're right on top of the mound, or right on top of the plate, I mean. Mm-hmm. And so we have no room to react, and that's why I, I, I admire you so much, because you have to have lightning-quick reflexes in order to get that bat and, and make contact, and not just put the ball in the play, but put the ball where you want to hit it.
8: Right, right, for sure. It's definitely... Pitching and hitting are two very different things, so I think it takes a lot to differentiate between both of them because they're two very bi- different roles.
0: What do you enjoy more, playing the field or uh, hitting?
8: Definitely love hitting. I just love, especially when you get a nice hit, it's a great feeling.
0: Now, how come you bat left? Your dad was smart and he made you bat from the left side of the no, plate when I you actually, first started.
8: Everybody thinks I'm a natural right-handed hitter, but I always swung from the left side. I was never my right-handed swing is horrible.
0: Okay, so yeah. it was just whatever you were most comfortable with, just uh, when you first started playing.
8: Yes. That's Since good.
0: T-ball. That's there's nothing wrong with that. I'm, I'm a lefty. I played left-handed, mm-hmm. so that's that's it's the easiest advantage ever, especially when you're going up against righties and you know you got more of the plate to yourself. Mm-hmm. They don't have to jam you and try to crowd you. It's good. Yeah, I like that. What can you tell me about Lexi?
8: Lexi, um, I mean she's a she's Lexi. I mean, I like she's that. That's great. a
0: great that's yeah. a great that's a great introduction. She's, she's <laughs> Lexi.
8: <laughs> she's a hard worker. Um, she's definitely willing to do anything out on the field. I know when I'm pitching, I know she'll go and get a ball. Um. She's definitely a great teammate. I think a lot of people look up to her, and they trust her, and she's friends with everybody. So she's a really great person.
0: Lexi Morales with us right now. She's Lexi as she uh, joins us here on the show. Good to see you, and how's everything going, Lexi?
8: It's going great, did, yes,
0: sir. Did Zaley pretty much uh, knock it out of the park, uh, pardon the pun, when she was talking about you? Is that about right?
9: I mean, I'm Lexi, I guess. That's a good way to put it.
0: You are Lexi, that's <laughs> right. Uh, you're from El Paso, right? You played your uh, high school ball at Chapin. And uh, you played. Was last season your first season as a minor? Yes, sir. What was it like making the transition from uh, from Chapin over to uh, to UTEP?
9: We had a really good program over there at Chapin, but I mean, nothing really compares to college softball. It's just a whole other game. Like people say, it's a lot faster, and like I didn't really like understand them or like believe them, Mm -hmm. but it really is. It's really a lot faster.
0: How long did it take for you to get comfortable and, and adjust to where the game, like you caught up to the game?
9: I would say probably 3 weeks. Right. Like into season 3 weeks cuz I my first game it was against Oklahoma and I I wasn't ready. Oh, I definitely so you, wasn't ready.
0: That sounds like fun. As you as uh, coach mentioned you played the, uh, the the national champs early in the year and that's a that's a definite welcome to college softball moment, isn't it? Yes, sir. I like that. Um did you get you get any hits against Oklahoma?
9: I touched it. I touched G. his pitch. So I was I was fine. I mean I touched it. I was that was it. So all
0: right, Lexi touched it. What about you, Zaley? Did you get on base?
8: I honestly don't remember. I it's Oklahoma. It's like one of the biggest moments. All right? the games merge in my head. I could not give you. You don't have any memory about from there. No.
0: I like. You know what? I like that about you. You know why? That means that nothing phases you. That you don't think <laughs> about things. You don't linger. You don't like let things bother you as a player. You have a short memory. You forget immediately, and then you just go to the next game. Yep. That's a good attitude to have. I like that. Lexi, what about you in terms of uh, playing time as a freshman? Did you get a chance to pretty much uh, start and, and play every day?
9: Yes, sir, pretty much. What was, uh, you know, if
0: you had to grade your, your freshman season out, what would you give it?
9: I would, being like brutally honest, I'd give it like a B minus C. All right. Yeah, brutally honest.
0: That's good. Well, don't sugarcoat things. I don't want no. you to tell me you got an A if you didn't get an A. Uh-uh, so, yes, So you feel like there's still a lot of room for improvement, but you were happy with the transition you made right out of the gate.
9: Yes, sir, definitely.
0: All right. Ladies, stick around me because when we come back, we're going to wrap up the show. We're going to find out about what to expect from the Miners this year. All right? I want the full scoop. So we'll do that. Zaley and Lexi here with us. The 2022 Miners go on the field for the first time Thursday. We're back with Sports Talk here, 600 ESPN El Paso.